Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, where this community known as Kensington Unitarians meets each week for worship. Our community is made up by all who are called to our door. So whoever you are, however you are, wherever you're from, if this is your first time here or your thousandth time here, welcome home. My name is Tristan Yovanovich. Sarah Tinker, our minister, is away this week. She's at Great Hucklow, as is Jane Blackhall, the outreach officer. So we send them happy thoughts to the Unitarian Summer School. And we light our chalice this morning, remembering absent friends, using the words of the Transylvanian Unitarian Bishop, Janos Erdo. Every time we light a candle, we remember the past. Whoever forgets the past must live through it again. But those who remember the past find in it directions for the present and the future and can revive tradition in all its richness. It is the duty of each generation to study history so that in the light of the past it may see clearly what is its own special task. That is our duty too. You have a look at the candles, the light and the warmth that they give us, the light and the warmth of this community which holds these joys and concerns. These are just a small part of human experience, but they represent something much deeper that moves in our hearts. It is easy for us to pray when the sun shines and we are grateful for another glorious day of being. It is hard to pray when the wind and the rain and the thunder plague our every step and spoil our every plan. It is easy to be virtuous when life goes well and our existence is a journey from bliss to beauty and back. It is hard to be virtuous when life assaults us and our very being is a pilgrimage from bad to worse to worst. It is easy to be cheerful when health bursts in us so that we can feel the very pulse of life. It is hard to be happy when pain and fatigue beset us and we wonder if we can go on. It is easy to do good when our goodness is rewarded and we feel the power of pride in accomplishment. It is hard to do good when we suffer for our efforts and are troubled because we have been misunderstood. It is easy to feel religious impulses well up inside us when inspiration lives at our elbow and walks on our path. It is hard to feel religious when we are tired with work to be done and discouragement seems to mark our every move. O God of order and neatness, we give thanks for all that is good. 
we are grateful for manifold blessings bestowed upon us. O God of chaos and disorder, be with us also when life is messy. Bless our coming in and our going out from this day forth. Amen. This is a reading by Hugh McGregor Ross. Spiritual truth may be likened to a jewel. A jewel may have different names, amethyst or emerald or ruby or topaz or, most of all, diamond, a girl's best friend. When it is brought out from its hiding in the earth, it seems little more than a pebble discolored by earth and grime, perhaps encrusted with hard substances. So it's difficult to see any value in it. But ask a craftsman jeweler to work on it, to convert it into a brilliant. He cuts away the encrustations, chips off unwanted parts, and with consummate skill, converts it into a distinctive shape. We are accustomed to seeing a diamond with a large top face. But change your viewpoint to look at it from the side, when you will see that the top surface is surrounded by many facets, while below, the part that is usually hidden in the mounting of the ring, its shape is an inverted (coughs) pyramid. Remember physics you will have learned that light passing into the jewel through the large top face is reflected from the surfaces of the inverted pyramid and emerges again from the facets around the periphery. Because of the refracting qualities of a jewel, that light is transformed into the colors of the spectrum. Thus, that light manifests as a myriad varied magical flashes of colored light that emanate from the facets that surround the jewel. Let us now consider an an, an analogy, one of the classic means to reach spiritual truth. Spirituality goes under many different names. The truth or ultimate reality or oneness. Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas calls it the kingdom, or the father, or the mother, the all, or the one. In its form as a spiritual attribute in mankind, the third, the greatest, the highest of these distinctive attributes, it lies (coughs) hidden within you present, pre-existent, latent, waiting to be found. As it struggles towards your awareness, it comes out encrusted by all the dross and distractions of a hamkara, these hardened by your being accustomed and dependent on them for many years. But laid before a great soul, he or she, 
will help you to change your viewpoint, look at it from a different perspective. He or she will encourage and help you to become aware of the wily, stealing ways of hamkara, give you the strength and the courage to chip away at its deceptions, its false attractions, its beastly bailing quality, so that the light may enter it. That light will not only warm you inwardly, it is transformed in the most wonderful ways. It comes out through the facets of your being as the experiences of happiness and joyousness, of love and compassion, peace, generosity, gratitude, and knowing of courage, of awareness, of beauty. With the help of a great soul, your best friend, the spiritual becomes your experience itself. These are the hidden logia, which the living Jesus spoke and Didymus Judas Thomas recorded. Jesus said, let him who seeks not cease from seeking until he finds. And when he finds, he will be turned around. And when he is turned around, he will marvel and he shall reign over all. Jesus said, Know him who is before your face, and what is hidden from you shall be revealed to you. For there is nothing hidden that shall not be manifest. His disciples questioned him, Do you wish that we should fast? And in which way should we pray? Should we give alms? And what diet should we observe? Jesus said, Do not lie, and do not do what you dislike, for all things are revealed before heaven. For there is nothing hidden that shall not be made manifest, and there is nothing concealed that shall remain without being revealed. Jesus said to his disciples, Make a comparison to me and tell me whom I resemble. Simon Peter said to him, You resemble a righteous angel. My Matthew said to him, You resemble a wise man, a philosopher. Thomas said to him, Master, my mouth will absolutely not permit me to say you resemble anyone. Jesus said, I am not your master. Because you have drunk, you have become enlivened from the bubbling spring which I have made to gush out. He took him aside and spoke three logia to him. Now, when Thomas had returned to his companions, they questioned him, What did Jesus say to you? Thomas said to them, If I tell you one of the logia that he said to me, you will take up stones and throw them against me, and fire will come forth from the stones and burn you up. Jesus said, I will give you what no eye has seen, and what no ear has heard, and what no hand has touched, 
and what has not arisen in the heart of man. His disciples said, Show us the place where you are, because it is necessary for us to seek after it. He said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. There is light at the centre of of a man of light, and he illumines the whole world. If he does not shine, there is darkness. He said, Lord, there are many around the well, but none in the well. Jesus said, I am the light that is above them all. I am the all. The all comes forth from me, and the all reaches towards me. Cleave the wood, and I am there. Raise the stone, and you shall find me there. Jesus said, He who has known the world has found the body, but he who has found the body, of him the world is not worthy. Jesus said, He who has become rich, let him become king, and he who has power, let him renounce it. Jesus said, Come to me, for my yoke is easy and my lordship is gentle, and you shall find repose for yourselves. Jesus said, He who seeks shall find, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. The Gospel according to Thomas. When I was planning today's service, I had so many paths I could have followed, and it was difficult to know which one to take. I could have gone down a general introductory path to the Gospel of Thomas, but I wouldn't have had time to do it all, and we don't do series on topics. Instead, what I decided to do was to sort of give a postage stamp of an introduction to Thomas, because there are several introductory resources, and then focus on what I think are three key spiritual elements of the Gospel of Thomas, how it is a liberating gospel and a gospel for liberal religion. The Gospel of Thomas was discovered in 1945 in Egypt as part of the Nag Hammadi texts. The discovery set into motion a series of quite wild adventures for the discoverers and for the text, including accusations of murder. Unexpected, perhaps, but not in any way strange for this particular text. It was buried to protect it from destruction. The fullest copy we have is in Coptic. There is a fragmentary Greek version, and the Coptic one was probably made in about the year 140 of the Common Era. In 367 of the Common Era, The Bible was being brought into its current form by edict of the Archbishop of Alexandria, Athanasius, with any books outside of those he selected condemned as heretical. According to Athanasius, the Gospel of Thomas was pretty much the worst thing to have ever been put to paper, and they were all to be burned. So we're lucky that this copy was buried. It was remarkably well preserved and saved from the marauding hands of European Christianity during the intervening centuries, 
otherwise it probably would have found its way onto Tyndale's pyre. Reading the Gospel of Thomas, it's quite clear why Athanasius thought it was so bad. It owns up to being the hidden logia which the living Jesus spoke. Were it to have been included in the canon, it would sit uneasily beside the synoptic gospels on the one hand and John on the other. It is very unlike either of these typologies. It is a collection of just over 100 sayings. There is no narration, nor any talk of what Jesus did. Virgin births and resurrection do not play a role. Thomas is a gospel of the wisdom tradition. The sayings are not just hidden, they are almost in code, and the code is very daunting without a good decoder. There is precious little serious work done on Thomas. Elaine Pagels, the eminent American theologian, has written on it, as have one or two others. Most scholars who are attached to churches won't touch it with a barge pole. It is still considered heretical. A wealth of work on it was turned out by Hugh McGregor Ross, a Quaker and a computing pioneer. He was a code maker. He wrote Unicode. And so he became a code breaker. My attention was drawn to him when I remarked on a Quaker message board how I'd love to know what George Fox would have said to the Gospel of Thomas and asked if any friends had written on it. When Ross first looked at it, He was quite dismayed at how poor the English translations were, and the best of them were in French. So he worked through the French to learn Coptic, and then did his own English translation, completing four additional books on the topic before his death last year. I highly recommend all his work, especially the 30 essays he wrote. They're not long 30 essays, they're short essays. When I read them, it was as if somebody had opened my head and poured jewels into my brain, which is how you have to get to my heart. The experience really did change my relationship with Jesus for the better. There are three elements of spirituality that I would like to draw out. The kingdom, these all have capital letters, the kingdom, oneness and the light, and finally, ahamkara, coupled with metanoia. The kingdom, capital K, is a common theme throughout the Gospel of Thomas. Jesus makes it abundantly clear in the canonical Gospels and in Thomas that the kingdom is not a place. The kingdom is a state of being, a state of mind. Hugh McGregor Ross calls it radiant stillness. Over and over again, Jesus tells us that we have to give things up, our possessions, our attachments, and then we can reach that state. We even have to give up our religion. In the Acts of the Apostles, we have that image of Peter standing on the roof of his house, sleeping on the roof of his house, dreaming, and three times God has to bring down a sheet filled with all the clean and unclean animals and tell him to eat from it. And he says, but I can't, I can't eat anything that's unclean, I never have done. And eventually... The voice of God says to him, what God has declared clean shall no man declare unclean. So even Peter 
really struggled to give up the mother and father of his religion. The kingdom of the father is like a man wishing to kill a giant, it says in Thomas. He drew the sword in his house and he struck it through the wall in order to be assured that his hand would be confident. And then he slew the giant. The man called upon his inner strength and tested it to see if it would be enough to kill his ego and his attachments. The kingdom is thus available to us all, here and now. In the 113th Logia, when asked on which day the kingdom will come, Jesus says, It will not come by expectation. The kingdom is spread out over the earth and men do not see it. We do not see it because our vision is obscured. We do not know how to look with our inner eyes. By knowing the radical truth and acting on it, we can find the kingdom because we are from the heart of it. It is at our centre and we shall return there. We are also of the light. When Jesus speaks of the light in the Gospel of Thomas, it seems to go hand in hand with the logia about oneness or about the all. Both of these terms are applied to God in her wholeness, transcending time and space and present in each one of us. In the 50th, Jesus says, We came from the light, there where the light was. The inability to see the kingdom, to enter into that state of being, is exacerbated by our blindness to its presence around us. But Jesus tells us repeatedly that if we empty ourselves, give up our attachments to the world, and live fully, we will be filled with light. There is light at the center of a man of light, and he illumines the whole world. This relates to oneness, the highest reality. The Gospel of Thomas talks of the merger of categories, the end of our binary existence. There will be no more male and female. There will be no more separation of mind and body. All will be one. And perhaps the biggest shift is that there will be no more ego. The two selves, your ego self and your pure self, the real you, will no longer be in conflict. Earlier we heard of the rough jewel cut by a master jeweler. In the traditional Christianities in which we may have been raised, the jewel is hewn through belief, through literal acceptance of propositions of the physically impossible. It should be noted that Jesus never asked for that kind of faith. In Thomas he eschews belief in favour of knowing, knowing that one is filled with light, knowing that the kingdom is at our centre and all about us. Jesus says, I am the light that is above them all. Cleave the wood and I am there. Raise the stone and you will find me. It is not that we have to go log splitting to find Jesus. We just need to look at ourselves in our brokenness, in our humanity. Our brokenness is caught up in our separation Ahamkara and metanoia go hand in hand because with the latter you can defeat the former. Ahamkara is that little self, the ego you, the judging you, the you that says you are inadequate, the you that is concerned with the minutiae of being a consumer. It is the you that every single meditation handbook says you have to get over. Metanoia 
is the radical turning of the mind. The acceptance and the living out of the message brought to us by Jesus, the Buddha, Adimbalo, or Gandhi. When you know yourselves, then you will be known, and you will be aware that you are the children of the living Father. But if you do not know yourselves, then you are in poverty, and you are the poverty. When you know that your true self is opposed by your little self, you will want to slay the giant. Well-being overcomes suffering. Love and devotion overcome hatred and anger. Courage overcomes fear. Detachment overcomes pride. The Gospel of Thomas and every single other of Jesus' teachings give us a path to light through being able to distinguish between our real self and our ego and choose life. Then you will know that the thief is coming so you can rise and gather your strength before he comes. And you can gather your strength from your deepest being because you know yourself. You've learned to recognize through distinction and through the amazing change of metanoia. It is a change that is experienced at one's deepest point, transforming faith and belief into deep knowing, giving one an entirely new point of view. We don't have a good English word for it. It's a compound Greek word, meta, transference, noia, coming from the word for mind. In the Bible, we usually see it rendered as repent, which comes from the Latin, which means to feel sorry. We all feel sorry sometimes. But metanoia is much more radical. It's casting off the drunkenness, removing the beam from our eyes so we can see more clearly. So what does this mean for Unitarians and others of liberal faith? In the second Logion, Jesus says, Let him who seeks not cease until he finds, and when he finds he will be disturbed, and when he is disturbed he will marvel, and he shall reign over the all. Time after time, in the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus speaks to seekers. As people of a liberal faith, we are the seekers of today. We are not satisfied with comfortable stories or promises of eternal salvation, if one says the right formula. We want to know. We want to speak from our own experience, and we want to be changed. The Gospel of Thomas does not ask us to return to a narrative of virgin births or preach sin up to the grave. No, it doesn't. This Gospel liberates us from a trap of selfishness, a trap of consumerism, of judgment, and it tells us that we can have the kingdom here and now. And I think that's wonderful. I think it's very beautiful. I'm very much on the fence about the afterlife. But John Murray, and this is a misattributed quote, but everybody says it's by him, he was an English universalist who went to the States as a universalist minister. And he didn't say... You may possess only a small light, but uncover it and let it shine. Use it to bring more light and understanding to the hearts and minds of men and women. Give them not hell, but hope and courage. Do not push them deeper into their theological despair, but preach the kindness and the everlasting love of God. You might only have a very small light, 
But Caroline Fox, an early Quaker, wrote, Be faithful to the light you have, and you will be given even more. Use your light. Turn yourselves. Marvel and love. Because we can be liberated, and we can see the kingdom. Amen.